You are listening to Half Torah, the Shir series where we explore the connections between the Parsha Shavua and its corresponding Haftarah. And here at the database with Rabbi Yeshua Eisenberg, this week's Parsha is Parsha Shlach, and the Haftarah comes to us from Sefer Yoshua, Perak Bays. This is the second time in the series of Half Torah Shirim that we are opening up Sefer Yoshua as a Half Torah. Of course, I'm not counting Simchas Torah and Golis when we lane Yehoshua, because in this series we haven't gotten there yet. And when that comes around, we will talk about the very first parak of Sefer Yoshua. However, the first time in this series that we opened up Sefer Yoshua as a Haftorah was on the first day of Pesach, where we saw bits and pieces from a little bit later in Yehoshua. Um, of course, still early on in the Sefer, but later than the piece of Navi that we're going to be looking at today from the second parak, the Haftorah for the first day of Pesach comes from the third, fourth, and fifth parakim of Yehoshua, Selected Pieces. But of course, we will focus on the piece that's relevant to our discussion, and that is, of course, Parak Bey's Pesukim Aleph through Chavdalad, that is 2, 1 through 24. As I dedicate this shir, Now, for a sidra that revolves around the Chet HaMaraglim, the sin of the spies, who slandered HaKadosh Baruch, who was promised land of Eretz Yisrael, it would seem that there could be no greater choice for a Haftarah in the story of the other Maraglim who spied out the land in the beginning of Sefer Yehoshua, considering how Yehoshua was one of the only two successful Maraglim in the story in our Parsha. So this sequel, in which he sends out his own spies to a positive end, makes for the perfect follow-up to the Chaita Maraglim. One lesson we could immediately perhaps take from this Haftarah is about learning from our mistakes. Although Moshe Rabbeinu was undoubtedly greater than his successor, Yehoshua, Yehoshua's spy mission succeeded while Moshe's didn't. And that could be because mistakes and mishaps can happen anywhere, especially the first time you try something. Of course, hindsight is twenty twenty, so Yehoshua was able to arrange the spy mission perhaps differently to avoid another disaster. Despite all of that, a question one perhaps could ask though, is whether or not it was appropriate for Yehoshua to send in his own spies to begin with. In the end, we know that it worked out for the better, Baruch Hashem, but as Chazal imply regarding our Sidra, at least, the original idea of sending in Araglim was inappropriate from the outset, and that Moshe should have advised against it, and for that reason Moshe is partially to blame for what took place. Hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu, which at first glance sounds like a command, but Rashi tells us, based on Chazal, that what Hashem really meant was, send if you please, but I don't think it's a good idea. If you think it's a good idea, go along with it. But why would you do something that Hashem himself is not indicating is a good idea? What would be the problem with sending in spies? And Chazal explained plainly that if Hashem told the Bnei Israel that they were going to enter the Promised Land and inherit it, then they should have trusted that indeed it would be promising. That would not have changed in Yehoshua's time. Moshe tried it and it didn't work out. So even if Yehoshua had taken excellent notes and precautions from the first Meraglim story, in light of Parsha Shalach, the very idea of a spy mission would seem to be quite risky and maybe even inappropriate. 
Of course, on the flip side, many argue that sending spies was reasonable hishtablus, personal effort, which would be necessary so that the Bnei Israel could devise a game plan for conquering the land. Surely they could not rely on open miracles forever, and they would have to find a natural way to conquer the land. Therefore, they had to figure it out in a natural way. Thus, logically speaking, perhaps you can argue that it made sense for both Moshe and Yehoshua to send spies into the land. But if that is the case, then why is it a consensus among the Midrashim that Moshe Rabbeinu should have advised against it? And how was Yehoshua's spy mission any different? That for some reason, maybe in his time, it was more appropriate. Now, if everything we've mentioned above is true, there is another glaring question when one looks at our Sidra. We argue that Chazal assumed that the idea of sending in Miraglim, logical or not, was inappropriate. Moshe should have said no. And without Moshe's acquiescence, the Chedim Raglim we know would have never happened. But if you look at the text of our Sidra, and this we alluded to earlier, that concept that the sending in of Miraglim was a bad idea from the outset, that idea, that notion, is not very clear from the text. As I mentioned, the Sidra begins with Hashem's words, Shalach Lecha, send for you, which sound like a simple command from Hashem. That's how we would frame it, a command. Rashi rushes onto the scene, citing the Medrash Tanchuma, that indeed, Shlach Lecha is not actually a command, but it was a permit, it was a concession, it was permission, so that when Hashem stresses, Shlach Lecha, send for you, it's as if to say, Moshe, send in if you think you really need to. The, 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 this reading is certainly legible, it could fit into the words, but let's be honest, it's not one's most natural impression of the plain text. Now, Chazal knew what some of us may have not, that there certainly is more to the story. And of course, the Midrash fills in the blanks with an insight from Devarim, Parag Aleph, Pasuk, Chafbez, where we find Moshe Rabbeinu's take on things, which provides important nuances to the story. It didn't actually start from a simple word from God. But apparently, the people anxiously bombarded Moshe with requests, perhaps even demands, that they achieve some kind of assurance that Hashem's promised land would indeed be promising. It was after that point in time that Hashem consented and gave permission to send the spies into the land. To paraphrase the Midrash, says Hashem, I told them that the land is good, but now I'm going to give them the opportunity to make a mistake through the words of the spies so that they will ultimately not inherit it. Now, there are two major questions one has to ask here. Firstly, if the idea of sending in spies was not a regular command from God, but mere permission, then why does the simple reading in the Torah here seem to present it like a command? Right, Hashem said, Shlach lecha. However, he said the same word to Avram Avinu, Lech lecha, go for you. And most assume that that verse is also meant to be as an imperative. Sure, lecha can imply certain gains and benefits for going through with the mission, but it's still some sort of assignment. Hashem wasn't just saying, go if you want to. It was an instruction. It wasn't a mere suggestion or permission. And even here, the Pasuk says that Moshe sent the spies, Alpi Hashem, according to the word of Hashem. And of course, even though Rashi rushes in again to interpret these words to mean that Moshe went according to God's permission, of course, it still seems that Rashi is reading these words against the simple reading, 
as they seem to indicate in almost every other context the fulfillment of a normal command from God. Alpi Hashem Yachanu, Alpi Hashem Yiso, right, like we had in last week's Parsha, Parsha's Baaloscha, you mean to tell me that they traveled with Hashem's permission and camped with His permission? They traveled with His instruction and they camped with His instruction, with His direction. Now, if God really did not command the spies to go in, then why would he seem to imply otherwise? Why use rhetoric, at least, that seems to indicate that this is an instruction and not just permission? Why would it look like a command in this simple reading? Why mislead us? The second issue is, sending in the spies is ultimately a bad idea doomed for failure, a grand opportunity to make a mistake, then we have to ask, why then would Hashem actually give Moshe the okay in the first place? Is it a trap, as the Midrash seems to depict it? But Lecha, for you, as it did in the case of Lech Lecha, should here also imply that it's for you, at least for your benefit, that there should be something good to your benefit, not to your detriment, to your benefit, not for your entire nation's demise. At the very least, l'cha should imply some sort of gain. In other words, suppose Chazal are absolutely precise that Hashem is not commanding Moshe, but he's simply advising him or giving him a suggestion, as one would assume is implied by l'cha, then if this mission is really not at all beneficial, why would Hashem insist the word l'cha to imply almost that this is good, advisable, or desirable, for you at least, if ultimately we see it's not. It's not even good l'cha. It's, it, Hashem should have never even given the okay for such a thing. Hashem never shies away from telling us what's appropriate and inappropriate. He doesn't say, keep the Torah if you please, keep kosher if you please, keep Shabbos if you please. In order to answer these questions, one has to understand the nature of the spy mission, and the true meaning of Hashem's words, shlach lecha. Is it at all a command or a mere suggestion or a good idea? In an attempt to understand these words, we briefly looked back to Sefer Barashas where Hashem addressed Avram Avinu lech lecha. Now the argument we made there at the outset is that it's some sort of command. However, we mentioned also that lecha implied some degree of personal gain. Indeed, Hashem subsequently promised Avram children, a great name, and other really wonderful things. It would therefore seem that while there is a command here, it's modified, or at least spiced up, by the word lecha, which means that there is an added benefit there, something else for you to gain. Lech lecha has elements of command and elements of suggestion. Now, with this understanding of Hashem's words to Avraham, perhaps we can understand Hashem's words to Moshe. Right? Chazal insists that it's not a command. What do they mean? Now, that can mean a couple of things. Perhaps they mean it's not a simple command, or that maybe it's a modified command. Send for you, meaning send if it will help you. Send for your purposes. What do I mean? In this case, perhaps shlach lecha is a warning not to do anything stupid or undesirable with this permit to send in spies. Send the spies if it will help you, but not if it will ultimately hurt you. Do it in a smart way, 
do it in a way that won't completely unravel the entire plan. Don't do it in a way that's going to ruin everything, like what ultimately happens. However, one can also perhaps understand Shlach Lecha, like Hashem's words to Avram, that it is perhaps in part a command, but in part a suggestion due to the alternative gain. Now, why Hashem would want to send spies, or be okay with sending in spies, makes sense if, if in fact it's true. As we've argued, if the people want to enter the land, they're going to have to somehow consider what the land is like so they can plan their conquest and subsequently settle accordingly. For this reason, Moshe Rabbeinu tells the spies to take note about the fortification of the cities as well as the fertility of the land. These are all things that are appropriate things to look out for. And if there is something about the mission that even God can agree with, so to speak, perhaps that speaks volumes. Because even if the whole spy mission is really not the best idea in Hashem's eyes, God does ultimately give the okay. But not just because he allows free choice. Right? That would hardly be a reason for him to actively instruct Moshe Shalach Lecha. Right? That would be like Hashem telling Adam Arishon, eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil if you think it'll benefit your personal cause. Obviously, Hashem says nothing of the sort. And as we've argued, Hashem never shies away from telling us what his ratzon is in his Torah. Most of the Torah is Hashem telling us what we should do and what we should not do. Right, so for Hashem to say shlach has to be because on some level Hashem does perhaps agree with the mission. That perhaps there was a potentially successful way that the Muraglim could have carried out the mission within a framework of Ratzon Hashem. And it could be that for this very reason the Torah formulates Hashem's acquiescence as a command to show that even this task could be executed properly, the Shem Shemayim, fulfilling it as a command of Hashem. The next question then is how to understand the eerie word, lecha. Where does the personal gain implied by lecha play a role here? And in order to understand the role of lecha, one has to perhaps look back at the first time that Hashem directed someone towards that land of Canaan with that lashon, the place we keep on revisiting, that is the lech lecha of Avram Avinu. Hashem gave Avraham the option of going lecha for his own gain. But the question is if Avram took that offer. Did Avram leave his home and set out towards Canaan because of what he would personally gain from doing so? The Pasuk in Lechacha says that Avram went kasher diberi love Hashem, just as Hashem had spoken to him, which would seem to imply that he left simply because Hashem said so. That he didn't just go because of the gain, but he went as God had spoken. The term for this noble motivation is what we would know commonly as doing something lishma, or your motivation is l'shem shemayim, for the sake of heaven, it's for Hashem's sake. Now, while Avram left l'cha alone and acted for Hashem, if you go back to that story, we see that there's someone else in that scene that seems to also have capitalized on l'cha. After stating that Avram went as Hashem had directed him, the Pasuk also adds, Vayilech ito lot. And Lot, Avraham's nephew, went with him. Now, what role did Lot play in the larger picture? So from the story and from the words of Chazal, it seems clear that he came for the ride and amassed a lot of riches. Avraham also amassed riches, but his riches didn't pose any problems, of course. The Torah tells us that Lot's shepherds and Avraham's shepherds quarreled because Lot's shepherds were allowing their sheep to graze on other people's property. Eventually, Avraham and Lot part ways because of the wealth getting away. Now, what's interesting is how Lot decides which way he wants to go. 
The Pasuk says that he looks out at the beautiful sight of the materialistically bountiful Sodom, and he decided to reside there. We know that Lot completely disregarded the immorality that existed in Sodom. And the point is that Lot evidently went merely lecha because of personal gain. Yes, God gave Avram permission to go because of what he would gain, but the, only, but the one who merely goes for that reason is doomed to abort the mission if there is gain somewhere else. And when the going gets tough, and of course, Lot for that reason turned his back on Hashem for personal gain. Now you fast forward to the next two spy missions. First, Parsha Shlach. We have what looks like a command related to entering the land of Canaan. Hashem is not addressing Avraham, but Moshe, when he tells him to send in his best men to seek out the land, Shalach Lecha, and quite like Avraham Avinu, though, Moshe Avinu listens to Hashem's word, call it a command, call it advice, but he sends the people out by Hashem. Just like Avraham, Moshe seems to be acting purely L'shem Shemayim. How about the Lecha factor? Is there a group of people here who is going just Lecha, looking for personal gain? And now we come back to the Chetam Araglim, the real sin of the spies. Moshe sent the spies L'shem Shemayim. But did they go L'shem Shemayim? The Gemara in Sota tells us, and Rashi quotes it here, that as righteous as these individuals were, 10 out of 12 of them actually did not go L'shem Shemayim. They had other intentions. And even if the Maraglim merely stated what they witnessed, what they saw, their presentation and their editorial was based on how they felt about the idea of entering Hashem's promised land, but after seeing it through the lenses of mere personal gain. The danger of only seeing personal gain and fulfilling Hashem's word, Lo showed us, is the vulnerability to backing out when the going gets tough. And the Raglam took Lecha and flew with it until, of course, the going got tough. It's too difficult to conquer the land, they argued. Just as Lo wasn't on the same page as Avraham, the Meraglim were clearly not on the same page as Moshe Rabbeinu, and like Lot, the Meraglim ultimately aborted the mission. But the real tragedy here was not merely the idea of sending in spies. Advisable or not advisable, the spy mission was not doomed to be a failure. And this is the point of our Haftarah, which we have really been introducing up until this point. Right. It feels like we haven't spoken so much about the actual Haftarah. But if there's one takeaway from the Haftarah and the insight that it gives us about our Parsha is that the mission of the Miraglim was a mission possible. It could have been done properly in a way that would have aligned with Ratzon Hashem. It could have been successful. Shalach Lecha means that, yes, there would be some gain to sending them into the land. And if indeed sending them into the land will help the nation feel better about the mission to enter the land, then great. If you follow all the rules, it can work. But wherever there is a lecha, a personal gain, one has to be careful, one has to be wary, because we know what the risk of lecha entails. Avraham Avinu and Moshe Avinu both recognize straight away that there was a real reason to act, a way to act lishma. Yehoshua ben Nun and Kalev ben Yefune and our Parsha, they followed suit and they put Hashem first. But the Meraglim and Shalach unfortunately did not. Now, when one knows that he's acting purely for Hashem, he's more likely to stick to the game plan. 
It's therefore no wonder how Yehoshua, who genuinely followed Moshe, would ultimately be on the same page with his own Meraglim later. Right? Who were Yehoshua's Meraglim? So Chazal tells us that they were none other than Kalev, meaning Yehoshua, one of the successful Meraglim, the only two successful Meraglim from the original Meraglim story, the original Meraglim tragedy, and the whole generation would have lost the opportunity to enter Eretz Yisrael, if not for the two individuals, Yehoshua and, of course, Kalev. So who is sending in the spies this time? It's one of the successful spies. And who is he sending in? He's sending in Kalev ben Yefuna, and he's sending in Pinchas. And Pinchas ben Lazar, the grandson of Aaron Cohen. Can't get much better. And he doesn't send in representatives from every tribe because each tribe needs to hear it from someone that they love and, and know and care about and someone who they, they trust. This is not a matter of trust. This is not a question of, of making you feel better. This is strictly business. And they are getting ready for the conquest and just a question of how, not a question of if, but a question of how it's going to be done. And of course, we have people acting l'shem shemayim, people acting with ratzon Hashem, with halachic intuition, gedolim who could be trusted, not trusted to give you a good report, but trusted to see things clearly, to go with the right sense of direction, to know what they're looking for. To ashelas chacham, the question of a chacham, trying to understand how to get into Eretz Yisrael the right way. But not a, not, not a question of confidence, a question of just which way we're going to go. And again, because it was all the shame Shemayim, there's no question if they were ultimately going to go to enter the land or not, but merely of how. The personal gain or lack thereof would not influence a thing. Hashem said that they would eventually settle in this land, and that was all that they needed. And in the end, this Haftar about Yehoshua's Meraglim teaches us something really crucial about the mission gone wrong in our Sidra, and about life and Avodah Hashem at large. There are apparently different levels of Ratzon Hashem. These levels manifest themselves, for example, in Halacha. We have Lichat Chilo, that which refers to the optimal way. And then there's the Bediavad way. Bediavad refers to that which you need to do in the worst case scenario. That if if it comes to this, sometimes there are alternatives that work. And sometimes even within the Lichat Chila and Bediavid levels, there's a spectrum, a more complex, more nuanced hierarchy of what's better and what's worse. And what that tells us in simple terms is that there's a Ratzon Hashem way to deal with every situation, even some of the most objectionable situations. There is a better and a worse way to do it. As such, there may be options that are, for various reasons, less advisable, like sending in Maraglim. And yet Hashem can still not only tolerate that decision, but He could endorse it like a command of His own, so long as we truly maintain Ratzon Hashem in that situation and follow all the instructions to a T. The litmus test, though, is whether or not we are truly going along with that option, Al Pi Hashem. And if we're L'Shem Shemayim and going Al Pi Hashem, then, as our Haftar demonstrates, any mission can be successful. So we shall be zochah to carry out every mission in life with Hashem on our mind 
execute each and every step pristinely the shame shemayim and alpi Hashem, and we should thereby succeed in those missions so that we may merit the gula and the rights back into our promised land with the coming of Mashiach from Harib Menu. Have an absolutely wonderful week and a wonderful Shabbos. As always, if you enjoyed this year and others like it on the podcast, you want to partner up with us for the sponsorship. Or if you have questions, comments, concerns, recommendations, or you want to join the database podcast website, before you find links to every uploaded share and links to share them that I repost due to their relevance, then all you have to do is reach out to me at thedatabase at gmail.com. That's the data then base, B-E-I-S at gmail.com. And once again, until next time, thank you for joining us here at the database.